Hi, and welcome to From Apples to Fromage. I'm Colleen Vidockler. And I'm Talia Haken. Each week, we take you on a journey of flavors. Along the way, we'll share some of our favorite makers and growers and the stories behind the apples and the cheese. Let's get started. Or let's get cidered. <laughs> we kind of realized after listening to last week's podcast, like, 30 times that we were very excited and jumped right into drinking and eating, Yes, but we didn't introduce ourselves very well. So we thought we'd take a little bit of time before we get to drinking and eating right? Um, and talk about who we are and how we got started and what we do. So Colleen, do you want to start? Sure. This episode could be back to basics. I love it. And the cheese and the cider that we're trying are... Totally. Back on, to basics. Back yeah. to basics. Okay. So how I found cheese... Mm-hmm. How'd you find cheese? How'd I find cheese? I was thinking of this on my way over, trying to figure out when I like really fell in love with cheese, because mm-hmm. I think I just always loved cheese, but not at the same extent. Mm-hmm. But I went to school in Boston, and I found this woman at the farmer's market who made her own burrata, which if you're not familiar with burrata, it's basically, it's, it's mozzarella with like amazing, soft, good cheeseness in the middle. Is that the technical term? Is that how you... It's... Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty technical. Pretty much. Mm-hmm. Like, often mascarpone. But this, she would make it with, like, roasted garlic, or she'd do, like, oh, a amazing. fig burrata. It was so good. They were so good. And mozzarella is the most popular cheese in the U.S. So it's, like, a good Is that gateway. because of string cheese? Probs. <laughs> I think there is. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Yeah, probably, actually. I mean, and possibly only because my kids go through, like, a giant pack of string cheeses yeah, every year. Yeah, yours week. and, I think, like, a ton of other kids. Yeah. So, yeah, so I think it started with the gateway drug of, like, mozzarella, but burrata, and mm-hmm. then I moved to an apartment that was right behind the South End Formaggio, which it's still there now on Franklin in the South End of Boston, that then it just kind of took off. And I, when I moved to New York City, I was working in investment banking. There's a very famous cheese shop, Murray's Cheese, that I started kind of volunteering for their their cheese and pairing classes that they do, where I would just help prep the class and pour beverages throughout and then clean it up. It was volunteering because it wasn't paid, but they did <laughs> compensate you in their leftover cheese. I mean, cheese compensation is nothing. That's not, not nothing. nothing. No, yeah. 100%. No, it was, it was totally worth it. You got to take the class and like learn all this information. Then I just started kind of doing these classes on my own for friends and family. And when we moved from New York City to Denver, kind of started really doing it in earnest. And then formed Behind the Rind a year a little over a year plus ago nice. and doing these like pairing classes with different with a cocktail bar with breweries or cideries mm-hmm. that's kind of and you just discovered something very interesting oh it was wait. oh yes and so me and you mm-hmm. we connected we mentioned in the first episode mm-hmm. through our our salon our, our yeah, nail salon our nail salon <laughs> and <laughs> They had your business card sitting there, and I just started behind the rind, or I'd started, I'd formalized it like a couple months before, and so I took it and I emailed you on November seventh, twenty nineteen, and we had such hopes for how wonderful twenty twenty was going to (laughs) be. We had big plans, and then you know, here we are. It's November fourteenth, twenty (laughs) twenty. Not many of them. Well, we can't say that. Our our podcast has materialized. We're very excited about this. Yeah, I think the first episode we were planning to do. I think it was March 18th. Yeah, it was right before my birthday. 2020, yeah, mm-hmm. because, but, and they had closed Denver Public Schools like that Monday. Yeah. And we were going to do it on Tuesday. And, and we were like, you know, we feel good about it. We feel good about it. Yeah. And then, like, 
everything started to go yeah, then. super downhill, super fast, and we're like, maybe not. No. Yes. And then also, I want to say, um, if you have questions about the cheese or the cider or you want us to answer any questions on the podcast, just email us at yeah. info at applestewfromage.com. And we are happy to respond to your questions privately or on the podcast. On so, air. Yeah, on air. How did you find apples? How did I find apples? Yeah. You know, I always liked apples, but I was never like a connoisseur of apples. Like I was never like, I did not know the true history of apples until we started doing this. I thought Fuji's were great and they, they are great, but there are a lot of really other great apples out there too. So my husband and I had just gotten married. It was 2013. Some friends of ours had just gone paleo. And they were getting like really serious about being paleo. And we were like, I remember specifically it was one of the Red Rocks movies. Like mm-hmm. where you go to the movie. Film on the Rocks. Film on the Rocks. Yes. That's the name. Yeah. Where you go to the movie and you know, it's really fun. They have a band yep. and like it's so much fun. And we had like this whole like thing down where we would tailgate in advance with all mm-hmm. of our delicious food and booze. Yep. And so we were tailgating with them. Um, and they busted out a bottle of cider. And we were like, oh, you know, like, what's that? Like, I've seen that on the shelf, you know, whatever. And they're like, oh, it's so good. It's hard cider, da, da, da. And we're like, oh, okay, we'll try it. So we tried it. Oh, that's pretty good. It's really interesting. And then we just started, like, looking for it on store shelves. And so we were, like, you know, taking the next step with cider. We're like, where's the high-end stuff? Like, where's right. the next best thing? I don't even, I don't actually even know how it happened. Like, you know, we like to grow things. We have a gar- garden every year. We pickle our food. Dan is like amazing and makes cold smoked salmon, locks, you know, really mm-hmm. good. And we just do stuff like that. And so one day he comes home and he's like, I want to make cider. And I was like, all right, sure. <laughs> Why not? Whatever. Um, <laughs> sounds fun, I guess. So he, was reading about it online and he went and got the the stuff he needed the glass carboy and the yeast and the airlock and the stuff we needed and we went I remember like very clearly it was October 30th 2013 and I have pictures of it which is really funny we went to a farmer's market in our neighborhood the neighborhood formerly known as Stapleton and we went to their farmer's market and we bought a jug of pressed apple juice Mm -hmm. and we put it up for the first time and that was our first batch of cider ever and it was terrible. It was really, really bad. Um, well, that's fair. Yeah. I mean, it was the first time we'd ever done anything like that. Right. Um, so me being me, I'm like, cool, we tried it. Done. You know, let's move on. And he's like, no, I know we can make it better. So it's like, oh, okay, I guess let's keep going. So he's like obsessively reading like wine making books and cider making books and all the online forums for like cider making and whatever. And he keeps making cider and he kept giving me glasses and I kept being like, "Mm, you know, not really interested. You can drink it. And he's like, no, the whole point is to make something that you enjoy. So one day he realized that the output was never going to be better than the input. Mm -hmm. So if we're using pasteurized juice from Whole Foods or even from an orchardist, Mm -hmm. that's as good as your cider is going to get. And so that was pressed whenever and it was pasteurized and like that's that's as good as it's going to get when you ferment it. So we decided we were going <laughs> to, I mean, it seems so ridiculous. We were going to buy a press and grinder for a tiny townhome, one car garage, um, and make 
like press our own apples. So we started buying bushels of apples from growers at farmers markets and pressing our own fruit. And like the cider got really, really good. Yeah. And started to get really good. So because we were, had a relationship with the growers, but you know, not everything ripens at the same time. Mm -hmm. We were getting one bushel of Estapas Bitsenberg apples or whatever and make your, or a couple bushels or whatever and making our cider. And so we really started to appreciate the beauty of what each apple can do mm -hmm. when it's fermented. Because I know traditional wisdom is that cider is should be a blend and not a single varietal. But we really enjoy our single varietals and we've really like done a lot to make their character come out. Yeah, so that's kind of how we got started cider making. So some friends suggested that Dan enter competitions with his cider, because why not? Mm -hmm. uh, they weren't really on our radar, but, you know, sure. So we did it, and he started winning all the competitions that he entered. So he won best cider at one competition. He won best cider at uh, Franklin County Cider Days, which is like sort of the premier amateur cider competition. Then we decided maybe we would consider being a commercial cidery. So we entered the Great Lakes International Cider and Perry Competition, which is Glint Cap. It's the largest international cider competition. That year we won Best in Class uh, Award. Best, uh, what was it? I think it was First in Class, actually, for the category. And so it was kind of then we were like, yeah, this seems like yeah. we've got something <laughs> special. Um, and, and during that time, some investors approached us and asked us if we would consider starting a cidery. We said no three or four times. And then we decided we would go ahead and pursue this as sort of a very small boutique cidery making cider out of the best apples available, mm -hmm. which we believe are Colorado apples. And yeah, that's how we did it. Here we are. <laughs> Here we are. So today we said this is back to basics. So we, back to basics. Back to basics. So we're tasting a cider that is very straightforward. Um, we actually have three varietal, three versions of this cider. Uh, I like to call it a vertical tasting. Mm -hmm. I like to call it that because I'm a super expert. No, I'm not. <laughs> but so it's it is a vertical. So we're doing three different versions of. The, our Jonathan cider. So we're doing Jonathan 2018 vintage, Jonathan 2019 vintage, and a brand new product that we're releasing for the first time in February, a method on Sestral Jonathan. So these are same apples. Um, the method is grown in a different place, but all Colorado apples, really amazing ciders, all have different flavor profiles. And I'm really excited about it. Right. And, and all made, Jonathan's the apple name. Jonathan's it's all the apple. Made from all Jonathan. made from Jonathan apples. Grown in Colorado. Uh, Jonathan 18 and 19 are from Ela Family Farms in Hotchkiss, Colorado. And our method on Sestral Jonathan is uh, grown at uh, Masonville Orchards in Fort Collins, Colorado. I will say that if these ciders sound interesting to you, this will be our club shipment for February for our Pippin Club. So... If you are really excited about these ciders and want to get your hands on them, you should join our Pippin Club because you would get this in your February shipment. And I cannot guarantee that I will have enough of the Method on Sestral Jonathan for anything beyond our club shipment. Mm -hmm. so our Pippin Club usually eats up most of some of the, our more exclusive stuff. Yeah. So tell Wait, us about the cheeses. Let me tell you about the cheeses. We're going to be doing a horizontal tasting. Ooh, yeah, love it. Yeah. Horizontal and vertical. Exactly. Um, <laughs> I, I'm not that 
yet. No, I love it. So I brought, knowing that we were going to taste three different varietals of the Jonathan, mm-hmm. or three mm-hmm. different types. Yeah. I brought three different types of cheddar. Awesome. Um, we're going to start with your your standard, like, block of cheddar. Mm-hmm. You know, on the East Coast, growing up on the East Coast, I think it was, like, Cabot was, like, a really mm-hmm. common name of just your your Tillamook. Tillamook over here, exactly. Pretty soft and not super depth, but it has great purpose and Mm -hmm. use. And then we have Prairie Breeze, which is from Milton Creamery. And when we're tasting it, I can dive into a little bit of each of them. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's more of your kind of their take on like a classic like white aged cheddar. And then actually we're going to end with Cabot Clothbound Cheddar, which is a collaboration between that big Cabot Creamery. Mm And uh, Jasper Hill Farms, which is this oh. awesome cheese maker up in Vermont. Nice. Yes. Sounds awesome. Okay. What should we do first? Should we sip the cider or should we take a bite of cheese? Why don't we sip the cider? Perfect. You're my tasting expert, so I have to always ask. Good stuff. So this is the 2018 Jonathan. Mm-hmm. I will say the feedback I get from people when I taste with them, this with them yeah. is very like, Almost Martinelli's. It's like classic apple flavor. Mm-hmm. Also get notes of like baked apple yep. and sort of ripe juicy plums. And there's a nice minerality there as well. I say this is a really good cider for sort of introduction to cider. Yep. It's very apple-y. Yeah. It doesn't have any strong notes that pull you one way or the yeah, other. It's sort yep. of, I think it's a, a semi-dry is what how I characterize it. It's not overly dry. It's not overly sweet. It's like a really nice easy to drink coverage it tastes like apples Mm -hmm. yeah and when we were thinking of doing an episode that was back to basics if you will uh talk about ourselves but then also just thinking of basic cider basic cheese both of we have things in front of us that are complex and amazing and delicious but this reminds me of like a really great apple yeah cider absolutely yeah like i just it tastes like fresh apples Mm -hmm. it's not you know crazy in any direction it's super easy to drink i was just checking the abv at seven and a half percent so it's like got a nice little kick to it but it's not crazy it's really good yeah it's great let's try it let's try well so okay i brought Mm -hmm. i brought the blocked cheddar yeah which is like the tillamook the cabin yeah you maybe even craft we call it egg cheese in egg our house because we put it on our eggs. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's scientific. So let's try it. Yeah. I don't have super high hopes that this pairing is going to like blow our minds out of the water, but I felt like it was worthy to be on our tasting plate because a lot of people eat this kind of cheddar. Oh, yeah. You know? It's super accessible and uh-huh. easy to eat and mm-hmm. delicious. That's lovely. Yeah. It's mild in flavor. The cheese yep. is mild in flavor. Really easy to just like... Munch, Munch on. on. Mm-hmm. Great snacking cheese. It's also, if you could see our plate right now, the cheeses actually look quite different from just a visible texture. So this oh, yeah. one's really smooth. I think most everyone listening could just imagine a block of, of standard orange cheddar. orange cheddar that you're getting at like your deli um, in the grocery store. The other two cheeses just are quite different in color and texture, but this one is super malleable, soft, and that's because it hasn't been aged as long as some of the other cheeses. Mm-hmm. The orange also is not natural, um, <laughs> and you might guess that. Probably not think of it, but it's a 
additive that's called annatto, but that is what gives it the orange color. Also, if you think of like an aged Gouda, you can think of other cheeses that are really stark, stark orange. Mm -hmm. You think of what makes cheese, it's milk, and nobody's milk is like... <laughs> this color? Right. <laughs> but I feel like Americans believe that this is what cheddar should look like. A hundred percent. They do. Well, that's just been like American cheese, which right. so closely aligns to kind of what we think of like, of this like deli cheddar. Yep. Is what we think of. I will say that this was like my favorite type of cheese for a very long time because mm -hmm. it was what was accessible like yeah. in the 90s and early 2000s. Totally. Unless you went to a fancy cheese shop, which yep. I couldn't afford when I was in college. Yep. You, this is what you got. And I loved it. And cheddar was my Go cheese of it. choice. Yep. Um, and now as I've grown up and cheddar or, or cheese is more accessible, like Murray's is now in King Supers mm -hmm. and it's really accessible. I really have started to gravitate more towards the other cheddars yeah. styles that we have on our plate, which I'm excited to try. So Yes. Cheddar's the second. So I, at the top of this segment, I mentioned uh, mozzarella is the number one oh, yeah. popular cheese in the U.S. And cheddar, I mean, and I don't I don't have the date of when that poll was taken, um, but <laughs> cheddar is, is the second most popular. You need your popular. facts. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't have any Cheddar facts. is the second most pops cheese. So I'll say that the flavor on this cheddar yes. is really mild mm, but nice. with that jonathan it kind of pops a little yeah. bit gives it a little, it a little something mm -hmm. it gives it like a little extra pop mm -hmm. yeah it brings it brings a little bit more to the surface mm -hmm. i'll be curious to taste the others with it yeah too. for sure i would love to taste the next jonathan with you me too jonathan 19 so we have not released this yet this is a brand new jonathan <clears throat> my goodness it's nose it's, is ooh, very wow, different very different it's almost more like the minerality totally. jumps out in the nose. I was going to say like woodsy, like yeah, but like but not, not. smoky woodsy. No, like no, no, fresh no. wood, fresh wood, like, like fresh after cut. a rainstorm. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Painting quite a picture. <laughs> There's almost like greenness to it. Also. Yeah, really fresh. Like yeah, mm. pomegranate. Ooh, this one's a little bit more complex than yes. the eighteen. Well, and we tasted that last time with the. Esophis Fitzenberg. <laughs> We're just like the difference in the age mm -hmm. and how long it's been aged and what comes out or doesn't come out. This is nice. It's also more effervescent. Is that right? It's possible. Is that also could be the It glass? could also be the glass. The glass. We're drinking two different glasses for the listeners. Again. Types. Two we are. Types. And we have a two we have our Jonathan 2018 in a tulip and our Jonathan 2019 in a champagne flute. Mm. And I think I post the I posted the links, links to yeah. our glasses in the last in the show notes from the last episode. I also posted links to our Instagrams, mm -hmm. yours and mine, mm -hmm. business Instagrams. But um, if you want to follow us on Instagram, we're at apples to fromage. Mm -hmm. Follow us. You follow us. Right now, I think we have a lot of fake followers, which mm. I'm kind of disappointed about. Oh, got really? really excited every time we got a new follower, but they're all not real. The green nose is really interesting. It's very soft on the yep. finish, too. It's definitely, yes. It's a smooth sip. It's a completely different experience, mm -hmm. though, than the 18. We're going, just for the listeners, we're going back and forth between the two, trying to, like, yeah. see how they compare. This comes off more dry. The 19. 19. I believe it is. Yes. Yes. It's, I would say, almost less fruity and a little more Right. Acidic, this, yeah. This, mm -hmm. the 2018 comes off definitely more fruit forward from, like, an the apple perspective but the the fruits that come across in that 
nose and palette on the 2018 and this one i'm gonna double check um the dryness on my notes just to see out of curiosity let's see here mm. yeah it's and it's definitely more herbaceous kind of in terms of or like spicy mm -hmm. but not <laughs> spicy but not <laughs> okay let me see let me pull this up here um jonathan 2019 is a semi-dry hmm. and then let's look at 18 but a lot of your your ciders are, i feel like are around the semi-dry but it i feel like it's so different than it's definitely drier based on like the final gravity yeah and the residual sugar amount so but not by much i mean yeah. just by a couple points so you know it's the 19 is definitely a little bit drier our goal when we're making our cider is always to balance acidity and tannins, you know, sweetness, all of those things. So none of our ciders, even if they're completely dry, will perceive like super astringent mm -hmm. or hard to drink. Mm -hmm. And even our sweetest ciders are hopefully not super cloying or stick in the back of your throat, sickly kind of sweetness. Right, right, right. Our, yeah, our goal is yeah. to balance it out so it can be su sweeter or drier, can taste sweeter or drier, but it doesn't throw you over the edge either way. Yep. So a lot of people will come into our tasting room like, oh, I don't like dry ciders. And I'm like, can I just have you try a couple things? I think you might enjoy these on the drier side because they're very fruit forward. Right. So with Jonathan 18, people are like, oh, you know, I don't know, that's maybe too sweet. And I'm like, it's actually not. It's actually fairly semi-dry, um, but it's very fruity. And so that helps guide me into like, what's the next cider that you should try? Be. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Let's try... The next cheese? Yeah, absolutely. Great. Let's do it. This is uh, from Milton Creamery, so they're in Iowa. Um, this is called Prairie Breeze. So this is, again, their take on kind of a, a well-aged white cheddar-style cheese. Oh, my God, I love it. Isn't it so good? It's so good. It's really good. They've won a... We're in the we're in the presence of a lot of award winners tonight. That's Let me amazing. just say between this and the Cabot Hill and your ciders. Yeah, it's a lot, lot of award lot winners. Of <laughs> um, it's got a really nice thing that kind of hits me in the back of the throat. Mm -hmm. Like I don't I don't know how to describe it. It's really good. Mm -hmm. The nose on this is like oh yeah, really good. I have a technical question for you. Shoot, what's it called when they have the little crystals in the cheddar? That's a great question. The crunch that you're tasting and experiencing with many aged cheeses is actually the the breakdown of protein in the cheeses as it ages it's called there's two types it's either a tyrosine crystal or a calcium lactate crystal mm -hmm. um and again as it's aging you'll all you'll definitely get a lot of these crystals in aged goudas and you can if you got if you all oh, really? listening yes could see it's you can see it you can see it it's these white I feel like I really experience them in cheddars Ooh, a yeah. lot, but aged goudas is definitely one that you would experience it in as well. But yeah, we'll we'll get some of mm -hmm. those same crystals in the uh, Cabot cloth bound. But so good, yeah, I love it. It's great. It's now it's my favorite thing. Like, <laughs> can I ask cheese crystals? You another question? I love cheese crystals. Please, I didn't prepare you for any of this. No, please. You know when you go to for me, King Supers mm -hmm. and like the Little Murray's yes. kiosk. Mm -hmm. And there's like English cheddar, Welsh cheddar, you know, like deep Asiatic cheddar. I don't know. Like there's like a million different. Like, <laughs> a lot of cheddars. Like, yeah, there's weird, like different. 
And I'm like, I like you, cheddar, and I just take <laughs> one. Yeah. But, like, is there a real difference between, like, an English cheddar and a Welsh cheddar and a, this? I mean, I... Yeah, there is. There's often a difference in... So it'll typically be, like, where it was made. Cheddar started in in the UK. It's a great little quick history lesson. Mm-hmm. They date back to the, the 12th century. The way that you... Because the question is around, like, how do you know which one you like? Mm-hmm. Well, the best advice is just to try them all. But you obviously can't go in there and... But, like, is there really, really... I mean, I don't want to there's... offend Welsh and English people. Yeah. But is there really, really a difference between, like, Welsh cheddar and English cheddar? No. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It's just what you like. Yes. Okay. Totally what you like. It's not like you're going to end up with something crazy, funky, weird Mm-mm. because you get Welsh instead of English. Yes. This time. Correct. Okay. You're, if you know you like cheddar with the delicious crystals inside, yes. you're safe. Yeah. And it, and the delicious crystals you'll often see like in aged, that's going to come from more age. Like mm-hmm. the first cheese we tried, I don't know how long that was aged for, for but not very long. Like just, a minute. They yeah, like put it in just and took the, it out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It has to be at least It's like really soft and months. like... We didn't really talk about our Texture. rules for tasting. We didn't. But texture's a part of that. And this is, again, the it's first like an eraser. The first one that it we tasted. It is like an eraser. It's kind of like an eraser in exactly, the texture. Exactly like an eraser. Um, I was going to say, again, like Play-Doh, because it kind of has that feel, but it's yeah. more um, it's more solid than that. Yep. It's it's more like those really crappy erasers that that awful house gave you on Halloween. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Versus the Prairie Breeze, which is super... It crumbles. You can, you can actually like break yeah. it apart and see the curds. Like you see the little bumps. Like those are the actual curds. What? Yeah. It's too fancy. It's real fancy, but it's actually not. And this is like such an approachable, awesome. No, it's awesome. Cheese. It has like the notes, like super buttery, but also almost like I think they have in their notes like pineapple. But this cheese is. I almost like it better with the nineteen, Jonathan. Mm-hmm. Because I think the 19 Jonathan also has more, like, fruity notes. Yes. Like, like the 18 has apple notes, but the 19 has more fruity, like, pomegranate, Mm -hmm. whatever notes. So, what was their first one? I bought it at Murray's counter. It was, like, It's just their standard cheddar. cheddar. Yeah. Okay. So, that one is sort of exactly what it advertises itself Mm -hmm. to be. Yes. You could eat it with anything, drink it with anything, super easy, not offensive in any way. Um, none of these are offensive, but no, but the really not offensive. What's this one? This is the Prairie Breeze. The Prairie Breeze is really good with the 18, but I, I think I like it better with the 19 if I have to pick. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, I agree. Okay. We're going to bring on a special guest for our third, um, cider. It's our first special guest. It is our first (laughs) special guest. It's so exciting. It's our first special guest, but our third cider. Mm. So I'm going to go bring on our special guest. Okay. So... We've brought Dan in to our little podcast crew. Um, Dan is officially my spouse and the cider maker at Haken Family Cider. So we brought him in because we are drinking a brand new cider that we have not yet released to the public. February will be the first release of this cider. It is um, a method on Sestral Jonathan. So before we bring Dan into the conversation. Let's just take a sip and see what we think of it. Sip. Get some. Oh, to do the nose Fresh off the press. Yeah, yeah. The bouquet. Oh wow. It's a totally different nose than yeah. the other two Jonathans. It's really fresh. Yeah. Which is remarkable it, it because like, shoots up your nose. You it don't does. even have to sniff. <laughs> the carbonation is really, 
awesome, which Dan will explain to us in a minute. Mm. It's really smooth. So the bubbles are different. They feel different. Yep. It's like spice and creaminess. Mm-hmm. A little banana. Mm-hmm. I was going to say like candy banana. Candy banana. Like banana runs? Mm. Maybe. Yeah. Not quite. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. Okay, so, Dan, um, we're going to have you tell us a little bit about this product, how it's made, what makes it different than our other Jonathans that we've been drinking tonight, um, what makes it special. This is a question. <laughs> so, um, just share that with us. Could you start with just what does Method Ancestral even mean? It's the name of a production method in French. Um, the French... My guess is both, well, certainly I would think per capita, but maybe even absolute numbers are the world's, if not largest consumers and producers of sparkling wine, certainly the most important or at least influential. Mm -hmm. The method of sparkling wine production that's best known from France is method chimpanoise, mm -hmm. a production method in which at two different stages, something is added to the fermented juice, first instance uh, to add the sparkle, and then the second in the dosage to add the residual sugar that you want in the final product. Perhaps a more antiquated, certainly much more uh, basic and in some ways more challenging method is method ancestral, mm -hmm. the ancestral method, which is you don't add anything at any point. All that the product is made of is the apple's own juice. And it's a very slow, long, deliberate manipulation to get it into the bottle to get the right sparkle. In this case, a touch of residual sugar, which is tough to do. Uh, the spiciness for me kind of reminds me of uh, like cinnamon chewing gum. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it has a like, big red thing to it. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of stone fruit, etc. whatever. But the Marriage, this is a marriage of yeast and fruit juice, which is what all sparkling wine should be. The one thing we did that I think would differentiate us from a lot of other method ancestral producers is we riddled and disgorged these bottles. So there is an impurity, uh, well, a feature in a way, a dead yeast cell that is produced as a result of in-bottle fermentation. All sparkling wine in the chimpanoise method and for us in our ancestral method goes through a process where the bottle is manipulated such that the yeast ends up as a perfect plug up in the top of the bottle, although the bottle's inverted, and fired out at one sudden moment leaving nothing but pure liquid behind. All of our bottles have gone through some version of this process. In effect, it takes a few weeks, but all the impurities are captured in a small plug of ice that shot out at one moment before yeah. we cork and cage the bottle. Okay. Uh, <laughs> well, when you said that all of your ciders are made with this method, you mean, or maybe you didn't say all of your ciders, but all of 
this bottle or meaning we do i don't do any chimpanzees i only produce methan ancestral cider which means across all of your ciders no, just just this, this product line um the, got it i see okay. everything else that we do is bottled using a prosecco bottling machine it's uh-huh. a high pressure bottling machine from italy got it in this case all the magic happens inside in the, the bottle, bottle yeah. Itself. yeah is that so is this kind of more like a natural process is method ancestral or i mean you- there are fewer machines yeah yeah it makes it i suppose so i it's one could say as elemental as sparkling wine gets mm-hmm. meaning the 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 basics of it that nothing but the fruit juice does it all right okay it all happens in the bottle yeah and without the addition of table sugar not once or twice yeah like they might do in chimpanzees partly though we hope to add some complexity and nuance from yeast selection, how long we age it on the mm-hmm. lees, uh, that's the, the technical term for aging on yeast, and when we choose to riddle and disgorge the bottle, i.e. jettison off the, the impurities and leave behind nothing but um, clear cider behind. And so this is a new product for us, something we're just starting to release, but the basic principle is this much effort is used on grapes because it makes them taste better Mm -hmm. and if that's the case then damn it we'll do it with an apple apple. yeah sick (laughs) (laughs) i was thinking of like what's the what's the spice with like the four the star anise star anise yeah that's a good one these products have been in the bottle for how long at least 18 months usually. So, whoa. So these ciders have been in the bottle for at least 18 months. They ferment in the bottle. They carbonate in the bottle. It's a very long process. We started yeah. this process like almost two years ago. And now we'll be releasing it in February. So it's very exciting. It is a very different tasting experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really cool because here we are sitting and drinking three different versions of Jonathan. Right, the same apple. Yeah. yeah. It's super interesting, I think. It's a super unique experience. And it's a unique opportunity because you won't often have the opportunity to taste all three right. at once. So. Yeah. so what's the third cheese? Third cheese, Cabot Cloth Bound Cheddar. This is, like I was saying at the top when I was describing the first cheese we tasted, was this is kind of a project between... Cabot Creamery, the like big name, definitely on the East Coast, but throughout, and then and Jasper Hill Farms, who they are up in Vermont and they make some amazing cheeses. um, This being one of them, so they're they've taken the milk from Cabot's cows and they've yeah, and they do a whole aging process. So cloth bound cheddars, which I grabbed this piece, you can almost see oh, a a cloth bound cheddar is basically. The process and when it's aging, it gets coated in lard and then wrapped in cloth. And that process, like, repeats itself throughout the aging process. But Interesting. It, yes. So. Is it always lard? Pretty much always lard. I'm, maybe there are other, like, cloth-bound. It's either cloth-bound or you could hear the term, like, bandage-bound cheddars are all. It's that <laughs> process of kind of wrapping in a Is fat. Is it all Vermont? 
Yeah, this so cheese. So this cheese yep. was made in Vermont. In made the- in Vermont. And from Jersey cows, which is a type of cow, they're not in Jersey necessarily, <laughs> which when I first heard Jersey cows being born in Jersey and lived there for a long time, I'm very excited. <laughs> but it doesn't mean they're from Jersey. Those cows got swagger. But it it's is... <laughs> this um this is actually kind of funky. Uh-huh. It's, it's way a little more funk. Mm-hmm. Barnar- barn barnyardy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Way um, more funk. Just to share with Dan our rules about tasting and eating. You take a sip of the cider and then you can take a bite of your cheese and then you should take a bite of your cheese and take a sip of your cider together, together. and kind of see what comes out of mm-hmm. that. Just sharing that with our guests. Yes. It's great. You did great. I'm learning, okay? Yeah. <laughs> this is also one you're going to get those crystal. You probably, mm-hmm. you should get those. You yeah. can actually see them. Mm-hmm. The tears and crystals. It's a... It's, it's compound. Yeah, it's like the... They're, they're found in aged cheeses because it's actually like the protein of the milks breaking down. It's not going to be found in this egg cheese because it hasn't had enough time to actually break down. <laughs> it shall forever be known as egg cheese. <laughs> Far and wide. <laughs> Part of the magic here, what I'm trying to accomplish, it's a really delicate dance. It depends on who grew the apple, how, and what mm-hmm. year, and how it's fermented, etc., etc., is to have, when you're done, a perfect balance of sparkle, i.e. the bottle does not gush out like a, right. like a violent volcano. It's not so austere that it's nothing but tart, sparkling wine that ideally it even has a touch of residual sugar. So in this case, there is some of that, especially when it warms up. You do get some of the apple's own sweetness that was left behind. And especially with Method Ancestral, it's very, very tricky to try to coax that last little bit of the apple's own sugar into the final product. The yeast really does want it all. Mm-hmm. And it's a kind of very delicate biochemical dance to get any of that behind. And I think you did that very I successfully. I think you did it great, yeah. Great dance. What made me think of that is that I had a drop on just the bottom of my glass that had dried. And when I touched it, my finger really stuck to it enough for me to know that I really had left substantial amount of residual sugar well dan thanks for joining us on our podcast we uh we appreciate you sharing your pearls of knowledge pearls pearls (laughs) (laughs) um i have to say i think the second cheese is my favorite it's a crowd pleaser. Yeah, the Cabot, I really like the Cabot a lot, but it has a lot more funk. It's it's less... Yeah. It has a lot more... It, there's a lot more to it. I do think when you take a bite of that and then take especially the Method Ancestral, mm-hmm. it all just like pops for Yeah, me. it does. I think I categorize specifically cheese into parts of my life. Mm-hmm. You know, like obviously egg cheese is for my breakfast every morning. It's super yeah. easy to eat. It's so great. It grates really well. Mm-hmm. Blah, blah, blah. The second one is like, I would just keep it around and slice it and eat it on random nights mm-hmm. when I just want a snack of cheese prairie or breeze. whatever. Yeah. yeah, the prairie breeze. And then the cabot is, it's the like bound, yeah. the cloth bound. I, I, I like want a hunk of it on a cheese plate for a special occasion. Yeah. 
but I want to have the prairie breeze in my fridge so I can All cut it whenever I want. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. It does really make it pop. Yeah. I'm it interested both. to see how. Me too. Mm-hmm. How it tastes. <laughs> we're, we're, we're mind melding again, but. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm interested to see how it tastes with the other ciders. Can you splash me? Yeah. 2019. So we busted out a new glass because we have a third cider. So we needed a third glass. And I just so happened to have a third mm. glass. It is also a tulip glass. Um, however, it's the Spiegelau glass that is specific for cider. This mm. is a tulip that they released for cider. It's a little taller. Cool. I'm not as big of a fan. Oh, no. Yeah, I'm not as big of a fan of it. It's not my favorite. Um, I like It's not bad, but I also like the smaller tulip. Mm -hmm. Their beard tulip is just more fits in my hand. Yeah. So. Mm, they're also delicious. It's good. I don't know. The cloth bound with the 19 is not my fave. No. Let's try with the 18. Yeah, I think we need a fresh splash. Okay. Too. Splash me. Got to freshen it up. Mmm. Better? I think so. That's more of like apple pie and cheddar. Like Yes. It mellows it and yeah. It, it smooths out it the barnyardiness yeah. of it and gives it just a... You're right, a straight like apple pie and cheddar, mm -hmm. which I don't get. I'm sorry. I don't get either. I, why do you put cheddar on your apple pie? If somebody <laughs> knows, please write us a note. Info at applespoonfromage.com. Send us a message on, on Instagram or something. I just really get need to understand. Us. Why yeah. do you put cheddar on apple pie? I don't get it. Well, I mean, apples and cheddar. No, I get that. Yeah. But pie. Right. No. Um, <laughs> ice cream on apple pie, baby. But mm. a slice of cheddar. Yeah, I don't know. I don't get it. I would, right. I would like to really get it because I love cheese. Mm -hmm. You know, you want to put it on everything, but mm -hmm. sometimes it's not meant to go on some things. Like, don't put cheese on sushi. Ooh, no. <laughs> Is that a thing? Do people no, do that? but I thought... What's the worst pairing in the world? Well... <laughs> <laughs> cheese on sushi, that's it. I mean, people put cream cheese, I guess. But I know. Is cream cheese technically cheese? I Does that mean, count? I mean, yeah, it would definitely fall under the cheese bucket. I mean, I guess it's a spreadable cheese, but... Yeah. Doesn't feel like cheese. I know it's not the same cheese. And like cottage cheese, I guess. I mean, they all have their place, but totally is not a prairie breeze no, cheddar. It is not. You know, mm -hmm. which I am new big fan of. Yeah. Uh, where'd you get it? Oh, I Murray's so or is this from Sodam Prairie Gouda? breeze. Yeah, it's Sodam Gouda. Shout out, awesome shop here in Denver, up in Sunnyside. But prairie breeze, you can get. I don't think I haven't. I don't think Murray's carries it. And we're saying Murray's, but it's really Kroger, yeah, Kroger's, who owns, like, King Supers here, and or City Market here. Mm -hmm. They have, like, Freddie Myers, or Fred Myers. <laughs> My sister calls it Freddie's. I love it. Uh, um, on the West Coast, whatever, Kroger's owns a shit Everything. ton of, yeah. I think they even own Supermarkets, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, but they partnered with Murray's. Which was a really smart move. Totally. Well, Murray, yeah, and then they bought them outright, I think. Mm -hmm. But so if these you... These crackers are so... <laughs> Stop interrupting. <laughs> oh, these crackers are excellent. You, Shout out Murray's. to the crackers. They're Murray's. Nice. Yeah. Love it. Yeah, you can get them at a thing. Shout out to Prairie Breeze. Ask your local mongers. I haven't seen it in Murray's, but I, you can find it in a lot of, uh, a lot of cheese shops. Um, they make this, obviously, the Prairie Breeze. They also make Flory's Truckle which is more similar to the Cabot. That sounds like a bag. word out of Harry Potter. Yeah. <laughs> and I, so I had a pairing at one of the 
cheese classes I did at Murray's, I, I think, where it was like a cheese and accoutrements class, and we paired their floors, truckle, which was like an aged cloth-bound cheddar, um, or bandage-bound, with maple butter. Is that right? Maple butter? I wasn't there. I know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, maple butter's a thing. Yeah, sure. Why not? They yeah. make butter out of everything. Yeah. <laughs> it's like date butter and stuff. Date I don't butter. Know. Yeah, and it was so good. I like Flory's truckle. But anyway, Prairie Breeze too. Milk and Creamery. Again, I stand by my statement. That is a word out of Harry Potter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Mm-hmm. I think that's it. I think we did it. I think we did it. Three. Three Jonathans. Three Jonathans. Three Cheddars. Three Cheddars. Back to the basics. Back to basics. You can find us on Instagram at apples to fromage. You can find us online at apples to fromage.com. And you can email us at info at apples to fromage.com. Mm-hmm. Send us your questions. Please. Please tell us why people put cheddar on apple pie. That too. Um, if you love something that you've heard and tried please share it with us if you want us to try something yes let us know oh my gosh tell us we can do that like and subscribe us on (laughs) (laughs) like and subscribe on wherever you get your podcast podcast. we're on spotify we're on the podcast app the podcast app is that a thing i think so it's It's apple itunes oh whatever (laughs) uh we're fun and cool Mm. and you like us so please come back (laughs) for another podcast soon. Cheers.